We talked about your dad a little bit. I think he was a big musical influence for you, correct? Oh yeah, he sure he certainly was. He he was the one that uh, sort of you know encouraged me to sing more than play guitar. But I always loved to play guitar. You know, really didn't want to be the guy out there singing, but I just want to play guitar. But uh, yeah, he's the one that said, you know, hey, you need to be listening to some of these crooners and. Anybody can play guitar, not anybody can sing. <laughs> so I worked on I worked on both. <laughs> Who were some of your other musical influences, Billy? Merle Haggard was one was probably one of the biggest when I was a teenager. Uh, you know, there was country music was going through uh, start, started this kind of outlaw phase. You know, with uh, Willie and Waylon and the Outlaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that album was a uh, was a big influence. Merle Haggard. Uh, Back to the Barroom album was a big influence, and um, and then when I got to Nashville, uh, I really, I always liked James Taylor and Dan Fogelberg and the Eagles too. It was kind of a uh, that was sort of my rock music, I guess. The Almond Brothers and uh, you know Leonard Skinner, all the Southern rockers. You know, Southern rock was a big influence, and and really outlaw country was a was a big influence, and. Uh, I kind of lean more towards the singer-songwriter, the James Taylor, uh, Dan Fogelberg storytelling kind of a artist when I got to Nashville. You know, it's funny. I told you you're the fourth person I've interviewed in the Honky Tonk Time Machine. We are four for four. All four artists have mentioned Merle Haggard as an influence. Oh, he was big, man. He was big. He really was. He was huge. Uh, you know, just laid the groundwork uh, for for guys like, you know, me, your country boy, uh you know, Hager's always writing the wrongs, you know, in, in his writing, trying to make a difference, I think, too. And even the rock groups you mentioned, though, the Eagles, one of my favorite bands, Leonard Skinner, Almond Brothers, you could probably throw James Taylor in there, probably as country or more country than anything you're going to hear on the radio today, really. I, you know, I love that because that's, that's what I know how to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can hear it in, in your music, too. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this new stuff that's coming is, I think, really reflective of that. Um, you know, but we, I, I tell you what, Merle Haggard, I got to tour with Haggard for a year. I'll tell you one quick fun story about them. I, I was so nervous to talk to him. Uh, we were out on the road for a whole year, me and Clint Black and Merle Haggard and I would always, I was the first act on and then Haggard, then Clint. And I would come out and watch Haggard set every time. And, and he usually was set up somewhere far away from my dressing room. So when he entered onto the stage, it was usually opposite of the building of where I was standing. But this one particular day, I'm standing there waiting for him to come out, you know, on the other side of the stage and take the stage. And I just hear this voice somewhere far below me because <laughs> I'm, I'm six foot four you know, and, and I hear this big deep voice that says uh you know Bill you tall people don't live as long as the short people do and I looked down and it was haggard and uh we hit it off from there man I started having you know eating catering with him and got to really be with one of my all-time heroes man who's quiet guy but just loved uh, loved what he stood for, loved his singing. You know, and, and he's not the only legend that, that you've worked with. You've worked with several. Uh, one I wanted to mention, a lot of people don't know this, but you sang on Kenny Rogers' Buy Me a Rose in 2000, which uh, actually yeah. went, went to number one. I think you and Allison Krauss sang background on that. What was it like to be a part of something like that? Well, it was it was awesome for, for, uh, for me, first of all, to get to work with with Kenny, and then it's it's where I 
I've worked with Allison once before, and I was you know big fan, love love oh, yeah. Allison Krauss. Yep. And uh, but I've been touring with Kenny during the uh, Christmas season, and I was kind of managed in in his camp, and we were becoming good pals. You know, I uh, I was a student, and he was a teacher, and he was one of the best. You know, it was just I wanted to soak up everything I could soak up, you know, with Kenny. And, and while I was in that camp, uh, he invited me to come sing on this song. We had no idea, you know, what, what would happen with it. And, uh, I believe he, it was one of the, uh, one of the oldest guys to ever have a number one song. I think he was only in his sixties. I think at the time when that, when that happened, Yep, he was 61 and that did make him the oldest country singer to have a number one hit at the time. But, uh, but we shared, we, he got, we had to go back on the uh, Country Music Awards and perform it. We performed it on Kenny Rogers' first 50 years TV show. But what I really learned from Kenny was work ethic. You know, uh, that what you say between songs matters. He was a great storyteller and he was a funny, funny, he just, I mean, I say he was, it means he retired, you know, he, he retired living in Georgia now, but He's uh, he's a great comic. He, he commit comedy was something I learned from Kenny. His dialogue. He would come in and work on dialogue every day at five o'clock. Was was when he went to work every day. He came into the dressing room and everybody knew it, and it was time to go to work. And I I just loved loved that. Um, you know the preparation. The, you know I just I was used to just waltzing in ten minutes before the show and jumping up and doing my thing you know <laughs> and uh i i became much more of a professional uh entertainer when i when i toured with kenny there's no doubt he he knew how to entertain a crowd for sure still does so you've got to work with him allison Krauss, merle haggard countless others but right now i want to talk about your time with ed mcmahon on on star certs this is something i actually didn't remember billy um i had to look it up but you actually won a round of star search Take me through that. What was that like back in those days? <laughs> well, I, you know, I was living in Nashville at the time. I was uh, I was a songwriter for EMI Music, and uh, I was kind of settled in just uh, the fact that I had been trying to get a record deal. I'd done a couple of showcases and didn't have any luck. And uh, but the 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 company I was writing for really, you know, was behind me. And but I, you know couldn't seem to be getting anything going in that area. I was singing jingles and had some national commercials and Randy Travis had recorded, uh, somewhere in my broken heart. So life was yeah. good, man. I was, I was happy. And then star search came through Nashville. Uh, and I just did a fluke, uh, video audition. I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to give this one more shot. You know, let's see what happens. If, if I don't do something on my own, it's not going to happen yet. So I just kind of took, my career in my own hands and, and I entered in a, a contest cause I had, I had entered into a national contest before, which actually is the reason I ended up living in Nashville was from a previous con. So I was, I was a big fan of competition and, uh, as a fluke, I got on there and I won my first show and, uh, got, got the flu, got sicker in the dog <laughs> and had to come back the next week. And I lost to a buddy of mine actually in Nashville, um, he was another songwriter. I was, uh, it was a, a great experience and the pressure. Uh, I think that's why I got sick is like, man, this is really high stake pressure here. And it kind of toughened me up, you know, to, to, uh, to be prepared for this business because it's nerve wracking. 
That's so. Star Search. I watched it a little bit when I was younger. It seemed like it was the uh, the precursor to American Idol, right? Is that about right? I mean, I know there was it, other stuff yeah. besides singing on it, but yeah, you moved. You know, you go out and uh, you, you go out to Los Angeles. What we did, we went to Los Angeles, and when you win, you have to stay there. So, man, you have to. Wow, well, you win, and you got you stay there the following, you know, till the next week to the show. You know, you're there as long as is uh you keep winning mm-hmm. and uh man it was hectic we had to figure out you know jobs and figure out uh you know just a whole arrangement of of winning and then being excited having this huge high of winning and 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 living in los angeles where we you know, i never been to really a big city or anything like that other than nashville um and you know so here here i am in los angeles country boy just won a show on national tv in nashville now is taking uh, notice, you know. I'm, of course, I've got my songwriting deal. But when I came back from that Star Search experience, it seemed like everything accelerated really quickly. As you know, I had a, a built-in audience. Uh, I just was on national TV, so I had a little spike and probably a you know some sales and audience. And uh, Capitol Records gave me a record deal, and and um, there was a couple of guys that just were. Uh, Coming and getting signed behind me, a guy named Garth Brooks was uh, <laughs> was getting signed up. Actually, I think he put out a single before uh, before I did, or around, around about the same time. And uh, so we were kind of running neck to neck on you know on uh, Capitol Records and watching all that Garth stuff happen was was a phenomenon. So it was a uh, it was an exciting time for country music, uh, but competition is very important. I'm, I highly recommend it. 